Hi, this is Kelly Chase and you are listening to History Detective, a podcast where I delve into the past to uncover the mysteries of history and then I explore how that story might be reimagined through song. This is Case 36, the women who drafted the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Down through the rabbit hole, mystery is so curiosity follow. A huge thank you to AbdUp Learning for their continued support of the podcast. They have ready-made teaching resources for all subject areas and grade levels. AbdUp Learning now have a points reward system earning you 5% rewards on every purchase. Head on over to abduplearning.com for all of your classroom needs, including supporting resources for every History Detective episode. Enter the code HISTORYDETECTIVE10 to get 10% off everything. At the end of World War II, the world was reeling after the atrocities that had occurred throughout the war. Representatives from 50 different countries met in what they called the United Nations Conference. Here, they drafted up the UN Charter. A charter is a document that outlines the rights, aims and principles of an organisation. This charter was officially ratified by a majority of the countries involved and four months later, the United Nations organisation began. Their goal was to allow countries to gather together, discuss common problems and find shared solutions that benefit all of humanity. One of their first missions was to create a document called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The aims of this document were to lay out the rights that should be enjoyed by all people of the world, no matter who they are and where they live. There are 30 articles that make up the declaration and they include things such as no one should be subjected to torture, everyone has the right to freedom of movement, the right to a nationality and property and free speech and an education, to name a few of the rights that are included. The document was drafted over about three years and was proclaimed in 1948 and has hence been translated into 500 languages. Now, just to be clear, just because this document was published and shared does not mean that all of the sudden everyone in the world abided by these new moral rules. Far from it. Australia had quite a record of breaching these human rights. Prior to the 1967 referendum, when each of the individual states of Australia made their laws for the First Nations people, for context, this was almost 20 years after the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was written, many of these rights were breached. For example, many Aboriginal people did not have freedom of movement, nor the right to marry whomever they chose, nor were they permitted to own property and they were often denied the right to participate in cultural aspects of their own communities. But these violations have also occurred recently in Australia. Take, for example, Article 9. No one shall be subjected to arbitrary arrest, detention or exile. Australia has a more recent history of forcing asylum seekers into detention centres for often indeterminate lengths of time, with no hope of being released. My point is that this is an incredible document that outlines how humanity should treat each other, but it is by no means a law that is enforced. However, it does give us a baseline as to how we should be treating other people. 
In December 2023, this document will turn 75 years old, and today I would like to draw your attention to five of the women from around the world who were delegates at those meetings more than 75 years ago and helped to draft the document that has been the gold standard for human rights for nearly eight decades. be remiss if I did not mention Eleanor Roosevelt. She was the chair of the United Nations Human Rights Commission. In fact, I was going to do an entire episode about her, but in my research, I found so many other great women involved that I just had to address their contributions as well. Eleanor was born in 1884, which means when the Declaration of Human Rights was published, she was in her mid-60s. I love that because so often society assumes that older women should be at home tending to their grandchildren, but Eleanor was out there making the world a better place. Prior to this, she had been married to her fifth cousin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Not as creepy as it sounds, although she did not have to change her surname when she was married, they were quite distant cousins, and according to the Heritage DNA website, a fifth cousin is likely to only have about 0.05% similarity in DNA. Franklin, or FDR, was the President of the United States for 12 years until his death in 1945. She was quite remarkable because as the longest-serving First Lady, she travelled the country, gave press conferences and lectures and openly shared her opinion on social justice issues. After her husband died, she was appointed as the first chairperson of the Commission on Human Rights and she played an instrumental role in drafting that incredibly important document that we now know as the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. In 1968, after her death, she was posthumously awarded a United Nations Human Rights Prize. But it is important to note that she did not write the document alone. There were delegates from countries all over the world and it took three years for them to agree on these now universal standards. So today I'm going to introduce you to some of the other women who were a part of this delegation and what contributions that they made to the document. It would also be remiss of me if I did not mention the Australian feminist Jessie Street, who was appointed the Vice President of the Commission on the Status of Women. Throughout her life, she fought for equality for women, equal pay, the right for women to retain their jobs after marriage, and the right for women to stand for Parliament. So it's only fitting that she was selected as one of the Australian delegates the only female one mind, ensuring that women's rights were not overlooked in the declaration drafting process. When Jessie Street read the first draft, she was disappointed that the language was exclusively male, with phrases such as all men are brothers and all the pronouns included were he and him, implying that these rights only applied to men. Jessie Street, along with the other female delegates, ensured that the word sex was included in Article 2. It now reads, Everyone is entitled to all the rights and freedoms set forth in this declaration, without distinction of 
any kind, such as race, colour, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth or other status. Jesse Street also advocated for the use of the more inclusive term everyone, which appears 30 times in this document. One of Jesse Street's allies in ensuring that the declaration used a more gender-inclusive language was one of the two female Indian delegates, Hansa Mehta. She insisted on rephrasing Article 1, from all men are born free and equal, to all human beings are born free and equal. Hansa was born in 1897, which to put this into context was in the midst of the British rule, and so when she was in her 30s, she was part of Gandhi's Satyagraha movement and led non-violent boycotts of British clothing and liquor shops. She was arrested for these deeds and this was not the last time she was arrested for her activism. She also married a man from a lower caste, causing her to be rejected by her family. I imagine she was also very supportive of Article 16 that entitles equal rights to marry. One woman who was a champion for the inclusion of rights around marriage was Begum Shaista Ikramullah of Pakistan. In some strict Muslim and Hindi cultures, they have a practice called purda. This is basically the segregation of women, covering them by way of clothing and not allowing them to be in certain public places. Begum rejected the concept of purda and was one of the first Muslim women in India to do so. She was also the first Muslim woman to gain a PhD from the University of London. After the partition of India, she moved to Pakistan and fought to improve women's participation in politics. She attended 81 of the draft meetings for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and one of her passions was to include Article 16 about marriage in an effort to combat instances of forced marriage and child marriage. The next woman, Evdokia Uralova, is super interesting, not because we know so much about her, but because she is quite an enigma. If you Google her name, there is so little information about her life. Even websites that I tried to translate from German and Spanish basically only had the same basic two or three sentences in reference to her that she was from the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic and that she was a rapporteur of the Commission on the Human Rights in 1947. A rapporteur is someone who is appointed to report on the meeting's proceedings. The websites mention that she is responsible for the inclusion of the phrase everyone without any discrimination has the right to equal pay for equal work in Article 23. One of the only other references to her life outside of this contribution to the Declaration is the fact that she was a history teacher, which is awesome, and a senior executive in the Ministry for Education. Perhaps if I was able to read in Belarusian, I might find more information on her life. There is a diary entry of Eleanor Roosevelt from the 14th of February 1946 that says... Among the other women I've met here, one of the most interesting to me is Madame Evdokia Urolova, delegate from White Russia. I have a real feeling of friendliness as a result of our few opportunities to talk together. 
But that's it. That's all she says about her. It says nothing about why she was the most interesting woman she'd met. Oh, well. There were other incredible female delegates who were involved in the drafting process of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But in the interests of time, I will stop at those five. A big thank you to all of the other foremothers who paved the way for future generations of women. Now, I would like to play you a song which I wrote, which is inspired by the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Happy 75th birthday. It is called Universal. This is Kelly Chase on the case. Thought it was obligation Conscience was stepping Instead there is violation And fear Follow me on Instagram at History Detective 9, on Twitter at History Detect, or you can join my mailing list. There's a link in the show notes. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways you can do this. Firstly, if you're a teacher and would like supporting teaching resources for all of the History Detective episodes, you can head on over to Amped Up Learning or Teachers Pay Teachers to buy accompanying resources. If you just simply want to give a financial contribution, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes for that. But if you would like a non-financial way to support the podcast, the best thing to do is to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser or Spotify. As this is a completely independent podcast, your support helps me to keep producing episodes. Next time on History Detective, I will be looking at the Egyptian pharaoh, Hatshepsut. See you next time. I just wanted to introduce you to a podcast called As the Money Burns. It is a deep dive into some of the heirs and heiresses to America's fortunes and how they coped when the Great Depression hit. Enjoy the trailer for As the Money Burns. All they want is love. Everyone else wants their fortune. 
Based on history, rediscover the Great Depression through a set of actual heirs and heiresses as they fight off fortune hunters, greedy relatives, envious rivals, and scandals. Would you be able to spot and resist a fake in your midst? How far would you go to gain a fortune? These interweaving stories reconnect the past and reveal new connections. Subjects include the Titanic, King Tut's tomb, American Dollar Princesses, debutante balls, royal paramours, Ponzi schemes, sweetheart scams, love triangles, bank failures, suicide, and so much more. The historical series As the Money Burns by Nikki Woodard is available at all podcast directories and the website asthemoneyburns.com.